The Tights and Fights podcast, for over six years, a revolutionary force in sports and entertainment. Space. I know I'll be A-O-A-O-K. I know I'll be A-O-A-O-K. If you know, you know. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm the world Halvyweight champion, Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, Monday Night Rad, Danielle Radford. <sighs> okay. Man, I just get really lucky. I have such an easy, punnable last name. Um, I get really lucky on these. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I feel like I feel like Julian's out of. I feel like we're we've gone around the horn with me. I think we're there. (laughs) We've done. I think I've been the heavyweight champion several times at this point. Good for you. Good for you. Mine like a steel trap. I remember all of them. Did not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good because I'm old and I don't. Unlike some people, you have been the heavyweight champion several times. (laughs) Yes, I think that deserves a clappity clap. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll take it. That's right. The co-host that you didn't hear clapping there, for some reason, was the Lin Tsunami, Lindsay Kelk. Hello, Lindsay. How many times are we going to go over the fact that I am a natural heel? I don't know what you want from me, Hal. It's every fucking week at this point. I'm English. I'm an arsehole. I'm a natural heel. There's, There's only one way to go. It's just, it's all that it is. But obviously, I'm proud of you, secretly, backstage, where no one can see. In the bathrooms of a Panera Bread. Uh, Lindsay, now that we're we're starting out very quickly because we have a wonderful guest that I want to get to, which is you've been working your way back into the good graces of my hometown, Philadelphia, and you're very close. Here's what I need from you. We we had okay. a discussion yesterday. I need yep. you to go to to Arizona to Chase Field tomorrow, okay. and I need you to drown out the sound of all of the Diamondbacks fans because it'll be like half them and half Philadelphia. Fans. There will be okay. no sound from Diamondbacks fans. So That's true. Trying. They'll make no sound. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that, to jump in early, but as no. a Phillies fan, I yep. mean, tickets are eleven dollars right now. That's how little Arizona fans want to see this Aww. game. Yes, I, I love seeing all the all the people from Philadelphia going like, "All right, let's all buy tickets. It's cheap enough." I might go. We're, we're caravaning. I please, please do, <laughs> uh, please clap. Uh, by the way, that voice that you just heard. Uh, is a comedian and a longtime wrestling commentator and interviewer. Has worked with WWE and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That is Brawny Johnny Laquasto. Welcome to Tights and Fights, Johnny. All right. Never been called Brawny. I will take it. Go, Phils. <laughs> Honored to be That's here, right. guys. <laughs> this is our first time meeting. We have like a Twitter friendship that now we, is. We do. It's coalescing into seeing each other's faces. Internet to face friends, I guess we can call that. Yeah, we're we're really doing it. How are you doing, man? What's what's uh are you excited as a Phillies fan? Is this an exciting I mean, like, how are you oh, feeling right now? It's incredible because I already told myself if the Phillies win the World Series, I won't even allow myself to get mad at how bad the Sixers are gonna be. Correct. Um, because that is a disaster dumpster fire. Wrestling fans are watching and listening to this, so I'm not gonna talk about the Sixers. But it's gonna be rough. We got James Harden with a belly. He's unhappy to be there. So right now, all our eggs are in the Phillies basket. Very yes. excited about it. Uh, trying to find time to actually watch a little bit besides just watching all the home runs on Twitter. 
Um, but, you know, yeah, very excited, man. It's a good time to be a Phillies fan. You have a comedy special out now. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But obviously, we're a wrestling podcast. We're going to start oh, yeah. there. Let's go. You've worked extensively in wrestling. But I would imagine you started out as a fan. What was that journey like? When did you first start watching wrestling? What what and and uh, just sort of your journey as a fan. Let's start there. Really young. I want to say um, my I probably started watching wrestling when I was like five years old, something like that. And my first event came not long after that. I know it was at the Allentown Fairgrounds, and I know the main event was Junkyard Dog and Outlaw Rod and Bass. Um, what I did forget about that is my buddy that I went with, and of course his, his stepdad took us. He said, don't you remember that main event? It only lasted like two minutes. Something weird happened and everyone left pissed off. I was like, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> but that's what he says happened. That I actually found the, the flyer um, online from that actual event, which is pretty cool. I have that now. Uh, but yeah, that was my first experience. And then, you know, like a lot of families who didn't have a lot of money, somehow my dad got a hold of what we called a cheater box. Yep. which had the, the the red switch and the black switch and you hit the black switch and you got all the pay channels. So, ah! you know, one of my favorite memories as a kid is my dad, my brother and I would, you know, we would watch all the pay-per-views. So it was just, um, there's just a great experience there. And then uh, as I got older, we try to go any to any local events in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I didn't really get it, my first shot in wrestling till 2010. So uh, I was already doing a lot of standup. I was doing a lot of on-camera hosting and David Marquez heard about me, reached out to me and said, hey, uh, I need someone to do interviews on this new TV show we're doing. And I, I was already in, you know, didn't have to be promised anything. I was like, give me a shot. Let's go. Remember, my first interview was with the then NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Scrap Iron Adam Pierce, who obviously everyone <laughs> knows him now as the, the new general manager of Raw. And just, yeah. he's been such a good friend to me over the years. And I, I still say he's one of the reasons I got hired at WWE. Um, and so, yeah, just a lot of hustling on the West coast and wrestling, uh, working for any company who would say yes, but primarily United wrestling network did everything from interviews to backstage stuff, to color commentary, then play by play to where, when an opportunity came up with WWE, I had so much footage to show them. They flat out told me when they offered me the job, they said, you know, we usually audition people, but we don't feel a need to fly you across the country when you already shown us everything we need to see. So do you want to move to Orlando? And <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll move to Orlando. So long story short, that's what I did. What was it like? Uh, because, you know, we're, we're, we're all sort of had the same experiences, which is when we started watching, it was way more into like the kayfabe era where we, where nothing was, was pulled back. We didn't have the internet. So it wasn't the rise of the, the, I put it in heavy quotes all the time. The smart Mark smart sure. fan who thinks they know what's going on, but you, you jumped in in 2010 at a point where, where a lot of being a, f a fan, like it transitioned to not only am I enjoying what's in the ring, but I'm enjoying what I think is going on behind the scenes. And I want to understand why that sort of stuff. Was there any kind of culture shock going behind the curtain? None at all. Because for me, I'm I'm such a, I guess you can call me a traditionalist when it comes to wrestling. I protect the business in every way possible. And that's kind of how I, I essentially went into it. And I've gotten even more so in that mindset like over the years, like I, I love all aspects of professional wrestling, but I do have very strong opinions that I do not post publicly because I know how wrestling fans are. But if you catch me one-on-one -on -one and we're talking about the business, I will give you many opinions on how things should be done and shouldn't be done. Cause I still think that, you know, when it comes down to it, old school, uh, it shouldn't even be called old school. It's like Al Snow says, he goes, I don't want to be called old school until you come up with a new school that's better than how I do it. And in my opinion, I still think 
the way things um obviously there's always update there's updates things progress but at the same time it all comes down to storytelling if you tell a good story if you're compelling if you make people either want to like you or want to dislike you it's going to work and it's going to be magic and i think a lot of people get intimidated by that by you know showing their personality by being vulnerable but that's what pro wrestling is if people are going to buy in you have to be vulnerable so for me, it, going behind the curtain, it was just an amazing experience. I loved, I'm a sponge. I wanted to learn as much as possible to where now it's kind of cool. Like when I work a show, I'm kind of like a veteran voice to where like, I love helping younger talent. You know, if, I don't overstep my boundaries, but if someone asks me a question, I'm happy to answer it. If someone has an opinion on something, I'm happy to talk to them about it. And that's, that's honestly my favorite thing about wrestling is working with a team. Uh, you know, number one, seeing kids smile at events, that's number one. And number two is you work with other people and you work as a team to try to make the best show possible. That is the greatest feeling. And that's really why I love wrestling so much because you have to be able to work with people to make it awesome. Absolutely. Speaking of culture shock, what, what was it like moving to Orlando? I mean, <laughs> having yeah. been to Orlando and spent some time in that parking lot, like how, how was that? <laughs> that must have been a, a life changer. You didn't like Orlando? <laughs> I didn't love it. I think it's fair. I was only there for a short period, which was at WrestleMania, and the bus got lost on the way to Radio Row at five in the morning. But that's not Orlando's fault, is it? Or is it? Tell me. Uh, Well, I will say the four freeway has been under construction since, I think, 1927, and it'll never end. But no, I I was like you. I kind of had a... My thought was Orlando is Disney. In actuality, it's 25 minutes away from Disney, and I lived right in the heart of downtown, which is gorgeous. It was right by a little place called Lake Eola. It was about, you know, a 12-minute drive from the Performance Center. So for me, I was at that point in my life where, like, I was so tunnel vision. It was just me and my career. I didn't really focus about anything else. So I had no trouble moving to Orlando. Like, I, I got all my stuff together, and I moved in just over three weeks, and I was there. And I jumped right in because that's how that company is. You see someone come in, you're jumping in right away. I mean, I started and Three days later, I was hosting my first Coconut Loop show. I mean, co-hosting, obviously. I, I ran. Alicia Taylor helped me out with my very first weekend of, of three shows oh. in a row. Um, yeah, she you know worked with her a ton when I was there. And so, but yeah, you jump right in. And for me, I spent as much time at that performance center as possible. Like, because that's the funny thing. You don't really have a schedule. You kind of have to make your own. But for me, I treated it like a night. Like I was first one in, last one to leave. And I went to every possible skull session, uh, promo class, anything I could be a part of, I was jumping in. So I'm really grateful for, for all that. Well, and that's amazing. And so one of the questions I've always had is that like, you always hear about people um, jumping from athletics careers into being a WWE superstar, or into being into a wrestler, period. What exactly was your performance center training like as you're getting in to be able to transition from being like, I'm a very funny person to I'm now an announcer for wrestling? It was incredible. I will say I was doing commentary for probably seven, eight years before I got there. And in my opinion, I got 80% better just from that one year. I mean... And, and a lot of you'll hear a lot of fans say, like, I don't like the WWE style of commentary. I hate to tell you, it works. You may not like a particular person or a particular voice, but it works. I mean, there's a reason why Michael Cole is finally getting the recognition he deserves from wrestling fans because yeah. he's great at his job. He is a machine. He never makes a mistake. It's like if you watch UFC, John Anik is a machine, never makes a mistake. 
Those are the guys I want to learn from. Guys like Tom Hannafin never makes a mistake. Well, guess what? He was my boss. I learned from him and Michael Cole. I learned from guys like Vic Joseph. Also, never makes a mistake because once you kind of have the mindset down and you 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 learn the structure of most matches, you learn, you know, what is the story we're telling here? And you could look at that in any sport. Hey, what's the story tonight? All right, Phillies are up two games to none. Diamondbacks have their back up against the wall. That's the story you're telling all game, you know? Mm-hmm. Same thing with a wrestling match, whether it's a six minute match or whether it's 20 minutes, you know? And so it was really um, me trying to call as many matches as I could in the little voiceover announcer room. The thing is, though, I didn't have any announcers with me. So I was pulling any wrestler who would say yes. Mm. Yeah. And so actually, um, Brennan Williams and Mansoor actually talked about this on their Twitch recently. <laughs> Indirectly, it was because of working with me, how Brennan got put up to raw commentary and how Mansoor and I ended up doing 205 Live together when he had never done a broadcast and I only had one under my belt because they were, we were friends. The three of us were just good buddies. Also uh, Matt Lee from AEW, he would call matches with me all the time and you see how great he is at color. And so like anyone who would say yes, I would beg them to come in because I wanted to be as good as I could be. And so then you'd call the matches and I would send them to my superiors. You know, they would take a, a watch at it. They would take a look at them. They would give me feedback Every single week, we would essentially have an announcer's call where we would watch back um, certain broadcasts, you know, uh, or certain specific things people wanted to know. And so it was really a, every day was different when it came to live events. Boom. You're learning how to make the correct announcements. You're working with a vocal coach. So you're talking from your core and not your throat. It's crazy. But let's remix that back okay. because I am very interested in hearing about the vocal coaches for WWE mm-hmm. as I mean, I um. I do a lot of vocal stuff. Hal is also obviously like a voice artist and all of these things. So what does the vocal coaching look like in WWE? I mean, the the woman I worked with is incredible. I had realized all the years before I got there, I was calling matches from here in my throat. Like if Mm -hmm. you go back and watch United Wrestling footage, whether, you know, I'm working with Joe Galli or Todd Kennelly or whoever, I, my, my tone was high. Like I was, mm-hmm. I only, I kind of had one level and then I would ramp it up. It was a very small move, you know? Right. She taught me how to essentially talk from down here in the core, mm-hmm. in the diaphragm to where my natural speaking voice is like this mm-hmm. to where, you know, you, chest voice or no, we're talking like stomach diaphragm voice. Yeah. So that Ooh. way, when you're talking at your regular, you know, like you're right like now, core voice. Yeah, you're yeah. deeper. And th- but then you can ramp up if you have to. And it just sounds like more natural, you know. And so mm-hmm. it was really awesome, like definitely awesome working with her. Where in your pitch and tone do you hit f- into your head voice? Oh, boy. I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I guess it would be if something really intense happens, like um, I, I we had a one second knockout in Titan FC a few months ago where everybody Mm. lost their minds. I mean, I had two fighters next to me. I had Kayla Harrison, who's a two-time PFL champ, Olympic judoka, and Shorty Torres, who's a current champion in Brave. And no joke, the fight started, and one dude, he he feigned and hit a high left kick, and I'm not kidding, the guy was knocked out cold. Everyone lost their minds. And, of course, people are going crazy. So I guess moments like that, that's when you you ramp it up, and that's where you start Mm -hmm. to, like, scratch it a little bit. But I try not to really hit that, you know, unless something crazy happens. But if your emotion takes over, I guess you don't have a choice, right? 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because you don't want to go full like, yow! Yeah. you know, you know, you don't want to hit it like where you sound like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize to anyone that's driving right now, Danielle, because well. they just worked. <laughs> and that was really cruel. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but to be fair, that was a really good yow. It was a fantastic was yow. Oh, yeah. it's my ringtone for you now. Like every time I get a text. <laughs> I felt it in my throat. It's like you kicked me. Yeah. Because a lot of people think that so much of that is natural. And it is, yeah. but... When you've been doing it forever, it's practiced and becomes natural. Yeah, and it's not just that too. It's like when you when you really get into the science and the structure of matches too, then you kind of learn when it's time to ramp up. You know, for example, like, you know, when there's a shine up front and the baby face is getting a, a lot of offense and, you know, there's a little bit of excitement, but boom, then there's the cutoff and then the heel takes over. You know, there's certain levels to where like, okay, now we're going to make it more conversational, but then eventually things will ramp back up again and stuff like that. So you learn all these things. And honestly, I use it in combat sports. Everything I learned there, I took that storytelling element and I try my damnedest, whether it's boxing or MMA, because I think every fighter deserves to have a story told. If they have stuff they they want to get over, I, that's why I make sure I will DM any wrestler I work with ahead of time or any fighter and say, there is there anything that you want in your entrance or in, anything you want your story being told? And, you know, they really appreciate that because it's funny how many and I do it on the indies now. It's funny how many people come up to me and say, wow, like not a lot of commentators will actually do that. I'm like, well, it's because I, I love my job and you guys deserve it. Like, I'm so glad that men and women, especially women, are finally stepping up and calling out bad commentary because it's needed to be called out. And, and you know, in my opinion, that goes back on the promotions. If you don't want to spend money on good commentary, you're going to get what you get. And if you don't have trained people behind the microphone, you're going to get wrestlers pissed off because – if you have terrible commentary, you're not going to want to use that match. And if I was putting my body on the line, I'd be real pissed off if what I heard was garbage. So kudos on the wrestlers mm. for calling out bad commentary. Are there any current commentators um, that you, there's a lot of people, we always, we all talk about Samantha Irvine. We all Oof. talk, like there's a bunch oh. of people. Oh boy, look. Is there anyone coming up that we should be paying attention to that's like up and coming that we don't know about, but you know about? You mean that's with the company specifically or just? No, no, no. Just like everywhere in all of wrestling, people oh. that we should be paying attention to in commentary that's that a, aren't getting the shine and the love that they deserve. That's a great question. I mean, you know, my buddy Blake Chadwick is there now. He calls uh, Level Up and he's been hustling. Him and I had very similar stories. And ironically, we didn't cross paths until about a year and a half ago when he was the cage announcer for Titan FC and I became the play-by-play guy and um, it worked out for him where they had an opening and he was already in Florida. They brought him in and I, you know, he's, he's a, so talented and works his tail off. He's a great human being. So I think the sky's the limit. I'd like, I'm excited to see where he goes. Like I said, he's calling level up right now, but in that company, things change daily so you never really know what's going to happen is there anyone in the indies we should be paying attention to or in different companies yeah actually well a guy i just met last week who is, i think he's only like 22 years old um a guy named jordan castle who i believe is calling tons of stuff on the indies um i was calling spark joshi in la and he was there at the new japan dojo essentially just kind of um hanging out because he's, he's like me he's a sponge and we had a good conversation <laughs> and i'm like how old are you he's like 22 i'm like bro you are calling major indies already and he's going all over the place. So, I mean, um, he was great kid. I mean, like I said, 22 years old, we had an awesome conversation and uh, I know he's good. Um, otherwise, I, it's hard for me to really keep track of everything on the Indies. Like with my life, I got a wife and three kids now. So for me, it's like, 
if I book a gig, I'm going to make sure I sound like I know everything about it. Otherwise, I got to pick and choose what I really pay attention to. Here's a question for you, because you brought in sort of a unique skill set when you started on commentary. You came in from mm -hmm. comedy, obviously an actor as well. So those skills help you out. How has what you've done as a commentator informed what you do outside of that job? How has it sort of leveled up your voice acting? Obviously, oh, yeah. taking vocal coaching, not only the support is good, but you're not going to blow your voice out as quickly. So you can do more sessions, do longer, do a variety of stuff. But how does it how does it inform your performance in other aspects of your of your career? I mean, like you with voiceovers, 100%. It, it just adds another skill set where, you know, um, you can say, hey, by the way, I'm a professional ring announcer. I'm a prof professional commentator. And they said, oh, can I hear it? Sure. Here's my footage. You know, it just it gives you that it gives you so much more range. And when like you got anyone who performs in front of a live audience, whether it be stand up, whether it be play by play, whether it be ring announcing, if you're in front of a live, a live audience, it's going to get you better. Even if you don't have your best night, you're going to learn from it. You know, we, we mm -hmm. always learn from our mistakes more than everyone saying, hey, great job, you know. And so doing what I did there and then working as a, a play by play guy and, and all that stuff, it's weird. Like when you're in a live event and, and you go live and the cameras are on, you hit that like there's another level in your brain where you, like your brain switches to where you're thinking quicker and you're able to enunciate more clear and you're able to see things coming and you're able to react that much faster. And like for me, I have to get to that point, you know, as someone who has done sit up, have you done a lot of like improv and improv training? Oh, uh, yeah, I was groundlings for a little bit. I mean, primarily it's been stand up for 16 years. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, a bunch of improv and obviously wrestling's improv, you know. Right. So I, I, my, that was gonna. Uh, my question was gonna be like, uh, uh, how much do you think that having kind of a improv, yes, Andy approach is something that is been very useful to you in your time oh. as being able to get up there and getting them headphones a zillion percent? Um, because if you look at wrestling. I don't know, 90% of comedy and wrestling is really bad. And that's because not enough people have either taken improv classes or tried to learn about what comedy is. Comedy is subtlety. Comedy is realism. Comedy is not overacting. Comedy is not doing too much, you know? And that's why I think so much comedy and wrestling doesn't work and comes off as cringy because there's not enough quality control. By no means am I saying I'm the funniest dude in the world, but I'm saying comedy and wrestling, it's at its best when whoever's doing it really believes it and when it's subtle, that's when comedy and wrestling is perfect. And so, yes, it's a huge benefit. I have a theory about comedy that I've had for a very long time, which is you can't teach somebody to be funny, but you can teach them to mechanically serve to serve comedy. Like, here's how you here's how you interact in a scene. Here's how you, here's how you support. Here's how you react. But but there are people who have an innate ability to sort of discover it. They, there's just something about them. They they're. They're able to gravitate towards funny things. They're just funny people. Mm -hmm. Is there somebody that you saw uh, or somebody you've seen as a performer where you saw that innate ability where even if they were unrefined, it was just there? Like they just sort of instinctually knew what to do to, to, to not get the laugh but create something that would get laughs? Oh my gosh, so many people over the years. I mean, you just watch wrestling, you'll find them. I mean, the names that automatically come to mind – Anything, you know, Aaron Stevens ever did or Damian Sandow always mm -hmm. stole every second he got. Yeah. Eric Young, you know, we're talking a decade ago when he was marrying ODB and, and just had had that kind of character. I mean, he's so talented. He has a zillion different elements of his career. 
to me, Zicky Dice, I think, is someone who maximizes every single second he is on camera. Does he overdo it sometimes? Yes, but that's why he's outlandish. But there's the subtleties that were so good. I mean, the every segment he did with Swinger on Impact, to me, those are just the names that that come to mind. What Chelsea Green is doing right now is unbelievable. Oh, it's, it's great. And it's finally like, we've all, anyone who's ever worked with her knows how great she is. I mean, I had so many good laughs with her when I was there. Like she would occasionally call matches with me. Um, and just her character then is very similar to the one she's doing now. Except now you could see her, her mind is just next level and they're giving her that freedom to just be mm. who she wants to be. And it's absolutely working. And then of course you add in Samantha Irvine's the way she announces Chelsea Green. It's all just so great. And so she's knocking it out of the park as well. Chelsea Green loves talking trash, provided she's got backup from Piper Dinner. Into the first, accompanied to the ring by Chelsea Green. She is one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champion, Piper uh, while we're on women, I, I while we're on women, says the angry woman with her arms folded wearing a sleek skinny t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> I, sorry, it is what it is. Um, I always want to see women on commentary and um, it seems so rare. And mm-hmm. we've seen WWE try it. They've said, you could have a Renee for a few weeks. You could have a Beth for a few weeks. Sure. Um is that there anyone? Great. Well, that was one question I would love to ask you about how you felt about working with Beth because she's an icon and I love her and I'm obsessed yes. with her. Uh, yes. But also, are there any women, like who should we all be going to support on social media right now and say, check this person out so that people pay attention to her? Well, number one, working with Beth, she is everything that people think she is. She is so cool and so down to earth. Uh, she's the greatest. And the funny thing is for, for a good while, um, she would come in a little early before television for NXT. And we would actually go in the, the announce room and we would be running, like we'd be practicing before she went live on TV. Um, you know, we'd be running over graphics and transitions and like the little things that just make you better as a commentator to where, you know, I'd handle one graphic and she would handle the next graphic going back and forth. And she said it really helped because it would just kind of warm up that muscle before she went on television, you know? So just being able to do that with her was so surreal. Like I'm sitting next to Beth Phoenix and she's thanking <laughs> me for taking the time. I'm like, no, Beth, I got the time. Like, the, you know, <laughs> I'll do this as long as you want, you know? So she was she was so great. Um, I'm trying to think right now. I mean, I, I love working with Alyssa Marino. I've known her since before. We worked together, together for years in California before we both went to WWE. Um, she's phenomenal. I just worked with uh, Sam LaTurner for the first time at the Wrestling Showcase on Premiere. We got to call a couple of matches together on the kickoff show. Total pro. Awesome working with her as well. But I with, I'm with you on that. I do think I would love to see more women that are wrestlers also, you know, have an interest in commentary. I mean, someone like uh, Veda Scott is, is killing it. I see her booked. Oh. I have yet to call anything with her, but I've I've met her for the first time recently. But she's booked every single weekend doing commentary and she is a wrestler. So she, she the good thing about a color commentator, that's why I think most of the time they have to be wrestlers or fighters because they can call on that ring experience. So someone like her, she can do play by play or she could say, hey, I I've had this experience. I've been in the ring with this person, that kind of thing. So those are names that come to mind just by what I see online and who I've actually worked with. Um, but yeah, I would love, I'm with you. Like, I think the the spot is there. The spot is there for a woman who had a solid career and then also wants to be great at commentary. I think that the spot is definitely there as well. Um, 
I actually called some matches with Tegan Knox as well uh, back in the PC. There was a there was a, a show that they were working on that never really, um, unfortunately, took off. For a couple brief moments, I would call the matches with uh, with uh, Sabi Piscatelli, otherwise known as Tino Sabatelli, and Tegan Knox. The mm. three of us were like the little commentary team, and it was a really cool, innovative show that was happening at the PC that they were filming. But um, like I said, never, unfortunately, never took off. But um, she's got a very funny personality as well. Glad to see her back. Really happy to oh, see yeah. her back on my TV yeah. Yeah. every week. More, please. That's awesome. Absolutely. So you have a new comedy special out. Uh, tell us about the comedy special. It is called Saudi Stepdad. It's 100% DIY. It's on YouTube. Uh, you know, YouTube has become a huge asset for comedians who don't want to rely on Netflix or Comedy Central. I don't even know if they show stand-up anymore. You know, my first special is on Roku and Tubi. Very proud of it. I think it's very unique. But, you know, my life has done a 180 in the past four years. You know, four years ago, I was at WWE and, and living that dream. Unfortunately, the mm. pandemic hit and a lot of people on one day, their lives got flipped upside down, uh, just like Ooh. mine did. You know, not for performance, because of- Just like another famous man from Phillies did. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I couldn't, I had to. <laughs> wait, 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 who are we talking about? I believe that's just life like- Life got flipped, turned yeah, upside down. Like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> take a minute, prince. just stand right there. Tell you how I became the prince of a term called Bel Air. Baby, I had to. Nope. Okay, one, I won't talk. One of my favorite <laughs> shows ever. I grew up on Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So please. <laughs> See, clearly, it's just in your <laughs> DNA. It's just in your DNA. You're quoting it without <laughs> even knowing. We love that. Look, <laughs> I listen to Too Damn Hype multiple Multiple times a week. I mean, I <laughs> you have no idea. I will defend. Look, it's Halloween. It's a nightmare on my street. Yeah. I apologize. Charlie Mack first out the limo, and my heart oh, always. Such a great song, dude. I list. I will defend Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince as far as like hip hop icons and legends. Like people want to make fun of getting jiggy with it. I hate to tell you, go go listen to And in This Corner, the album from 1989. Tell me Will Smith is not a great rapper. You know, mm -hmm. he has bars. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, we're all cranky about it, but he has bars. It's fine. He did. Like, he did. He did. He made. Yeah, he's got his own troubles right now. Like, he doesn't need us <laughs> weighing in. Like, he doesn't need anyone yeah. to make it worse for him, does he? Let him no. let him crack on with what he's got to deal with. I wish him luck with that. That um, book so... only just came out. By the way. It only it's only been out 48 hours. Anyway, do not get me started. I will do an entire podcast. It will end with both of them. Uh, meeting together in Survivor Series. So <laughs> that's actually a good idea. I mean, I would. I'd probably take Jada, but yeah, it's a good one, idea. Uh, yeah. I, one time, as a joke, I did do a wrestling match where I played Oprah and a friend of mine played Obama, and we just anyway, fine. Uh, uh, I'm so sorry. Keep going. And then I am a ridiculous human being. And at the, then at the end, they teamed up like the Mega Powers. The handshake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of. After I gave him the little million pieces, which is like a very deep cut, mm. but it was a nut job. Oh, and I think I also did a chair shot. Anyway, wow, Solomon Giorgio, I love you all. Talk. Oh, I know Solomon. I haven't seen him in years, but I know him. He's great. Yeah. That's my baby. We grew up Hilarious together. Hilarious comic. Yeah. In comedy, at least. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, Solomon's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where you know a lot of people their lives got completely changed in one day, and so essentially, I went over two years without even doing stand up because my whole year with WWE, that's all I focused on. I didn't want any distractions, and then obviously the for well over a year, there was no live entertainment besides Zoom. So that wasn't happening. But during the pandemic, you know, I ended up meeting my wife and, you know, as our life progressed, we ended up all, you know, we, we moved in together, me and, and the children. And, uh, you know, she actually pushed me to do the special. She said, you, you have all this new material you've written. No one can talk about what you would talk about. Like, 
we're all from Saudi Arabia. You're married to me. You were an adult child. All of a sudden, now you're trying to be a dad and there's a mixed culture thing going on. Uh, you got to do a special. And so I ended up uh, meeting a guy who has a production team and he wanted to film a special to get like essentially as like a business card for his his team because they shoot so many other great projects like with 501c3s and stuff like that. And, um, and so we kind of started putting it all together. And I said, you know, I've already done one special DIY from soup to nuts all by myself, like with a team, I'm going to do it again. And, uh, and that's what it was. And so when it came time to coming up with a title it, to me, Saudi stepdad, like when you see the thumbnail of my face and then Saudi stepdad, you're at least going to give it a second look. You're like, what the sure. hell is he talking about? <laughs> and you know, I think the coolest comment I've gotten from people is, is that it's really like, it's like warm and uplifting, you know, it's mm. especially in a world like today where there's so much stuff happening that is demoralizing and it seems like we're more divided than ever. You know, I, I'm putting my family in this special and I'm saying, look, we could not be more different. Our upbringings couldn't be more different. But guess what? We love each other when we make it work. And it doesn't matter where you come from, you know, you can find the right person. And it's also me learning how to be a dad. Cause I mean, it's, it's something that I didn't even know was ever going to happen. So it's like, I'm learning day by day. And I really think it all just, it came together really nicely in the special. Like, I think it really tells a solid story from like start to start to finish, you know? Awesome. Do you find that the process of putting this together, especially if you do stand up, then you switch and you're full time into, into WWE. And then obviously you, you're able to, to, to rediscover or reconnect or, or work on, on stand up again, do you find now because you're you're doing all this different work that you're able to find a little more balance in everything that you do and and pursue all the things that you're passionate about? Yeah, yeah, I think as we all get older and, and as we all progress in our careers, I think you just have to you learn how to how to direct your focus depending on what's important. You know what I mean? Like when it came time to the special, like boom, I got to focus on that. But oh, I have an event coming up, I got to make sure I get my notes in, and boom, I'll like spark Joshi jumped right in last week. And I thought we called a great event. And, uh, you know, that's a, a Japanese style women's wrestling brand that is oh, in the U S and so, you know, that's not easy to call as a play-by-play guy. Cause you got to make sure number one, you got to get all the, all the names, correct. All the pronunciations, you have to learn about the factions and the culture. And so, you know, and then when that's done, it's like, okay, what's next? Well, like I'm going to be performing on a cruise ship for the next week. Okay. Got to get that set ready. I got to do 45 clean in front of a bunch of gray hairs. Okay. Let's get that ready. Clean. Oh, wait, TV clean or like G clean? Like what? I don't know. Or a corporate clean. Pretty. Yeah. I'd say corporate G to corporate clean um, Ooh, on this yikes. ship specifically. You got to do For 45 minutes. Yeah. You got to do one forty to 45 super clean. And then usually you do an adult show like later on. And that is why I was not very good at stand up. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think you just learn to, you have to budget your time out really well. I'm still not great at it. I'm trying my best. I mean, there's still some nights where technically it should be bedtime. And I'm like, look, I got to sit on this couch and I got to work on some stuff and I'll go to bed when I go to bed. It ain't what I like to do because, you know, sleep is important, but it's, it's when you have a dream, when you're trying to be your best, you just got to do it sometimes. Awesome. Special's called Saudi Stepdad. Stay part of the conversation with tights and fights on all of our social media channels. That includes Blue Sky. We are all there now. It's official. Links are in the show notes. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this week in wrestling news with Mr. Johnny Laquasto. Again, the special Saudi stepdad. YouTube. Do it. That's up next on Tights and Fights. 
Hi, I'm Bikram Chatterjee, the CEO of Maximum Fun, and I'm here with my fellow worker owner, Marissa Flaxbart, producer. This week for Co-Optober, we'll be highlighting other co-ops who work in the arts. The past few years have been challenging for all kinds of creative industries. We at MaxFun believe that co-ops are better suited to meet these challenges, and there are a lot of other companies who feel the same way. So all this week on our social media and website, we'll be sharing interviews with some of our fellow co-ops. And head to our YouTube channel, Friday, October 20th, where I'll be talking with worker owners from Defector and Stocksy about their co-ops and why the model works for them. And next week is Volunteer Week. Learn how you can participate in that and get details on exclusive merch, our live streams, and other Co-Optober happenings at MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. Welcome back to Tyson Fights. I'm Hal Loveland. I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kell. And Johnny LaQuasto. We tricked him into doing the second segment. Now, (laughs) I don't want to spoil anything. Seasons aren't really a thing in wrestling TV. I mean, they are, but we're we're, we're going around the horn every year. Uh, WWE loves to to do a season opener, and they always do it up really well. This is what was on the SmackDown season for me. I'm just going to run through it real quick, and then we can sort of pick out uh, little things to talk about. We had L.A. Knight, who is going to be Roman Reigns' next challenger. Nick Aldis is now SmackDown's new GM. Kevin Owens was the traded wrestler uh, when Jay Uso went over to Raw. And Pretty Deadly returned <laughs> bravely <laughs> from injury. Boy, they are... Uh, they're such a delight to... I, I, this is what I love about Pretty Deadly. They return, they beat the Brawling Brutes. One of my favorite things that I talk about a lot Johnny, I love like little things, mm-hmm. the little things in a match and the little things in, in, in the storytelling of wrestling always get me. The callback to the original injury was great. Using that as, as a means of, of cheating to win, like, oh, I'm hurt again. And then the whole thing of coming out in the, in the wheelchair and making a production out of it. Those are two guys that to me are such a great mm-hmm. comedy act, but also great wrestlers. And yeah. it's like, you kind of get everything with them and, and feels like there was a period in the creative direction where there was sort of a tug of war as to like who's gonna who's gonna be on TV and who's not and that that appears to be moving at least in one di- it feels like there's a more unified voice yeah I don't know if that's true or not but but I think it's there are a lot of people who are getting a spotlight that didn't have it before and it's really enjoyable I mean I remember you know watching them a ton. Uh, you know, four years ago, I would actually, you know, in, in the in the announcer room, I'd actually call a lot of NXT UK matches because we would have the the tapes and I would, you know, for practice. And I remember, you know, pretty deadly back then. We're talking four years ago. And I remember saying to myself, like, if they keep these guys together, the sky is the absolute limit. Mm. I thought their song was really bad that they had in NXT uh-huh. UK. But otherwise, together, they had the improv down. They they they're very unselfish with each other. And that's what you need in a tag team. I mean. You, them along with, I think, you know, I think Gibson and Drake, oh. Grizzled Young Veterans. To me, they are one of the absolute best tag teams going. I I hope they have the most success possible with whatever's next for them because they deserve it. They're one of the only people that ever cracked me in an interview because Gibson and Drake are so believable when they talk. Gibson, I've never, I've never worked with anyone who's so good 
at looking at you like you are disgusting. Like the way when he when Gibson takes that microphone, he can get heat like he not the kind of heat. We're like, hey, we're supposed to boo this guy. Gibson can make you hate him in a matter of seconds on the mic. And Drake is so unselfish. He knows his role. Those two as a tag team, I think if they want to, can take over the indie world or get a contract somewhere else very soon. I I could not speak more highly of them as a team, and they're great to work with. They are phenomenal in the ring. Oof, I love those guys. Absolutely. But yeah, pretty deadly. Awesome, too. As far as LA Knight goes, Johnny, I've been, ever since I saw him, I've been watching WWE for, my God, 40 years now. That's that's the majority of my life. I started when I was six years old, and that means I'm 46. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid. Age is just a number, a right. big, big number. Um I was unfamiliar with his work as Eli Drake in Impact. I know he was also in Championship uh, Wrestling from Hollywood as well. But the second I saw him appear on screen, I was like, that guy is a megastar. Like, this guy knows. He's one of those guys who knows his character down cold. He's so smooth on the microphone. He believes what he's saying, so the crowd believes what he's saying. And then watching his ascension on the main roster has been dazzling. How rude of me. I didn't even introduce myself. Because, you know, while you've been sitting at home on the couch for the last month and a half, and you wear that gold title around your waist, things have changed just a little bit. So I'll tell you what, Tulsa, tell them whose game this is. Getting to wrestle Roman Reigns at all, to to reach that level, I feel like for some people, they might think that that's like, this is like the height is like, oh, he's definitely going to win the title. I I would imagine not. But for him to, to stand toe to toe with Roman Reigns in a ring on the microphone and then to get to share the ring with him, this I think is his opportunity yeah. to show everybody. He's met every moment that's that's come his way. Yeah. And I'm excited to see him meet this next moment. And then see where he goes from there because yeah, I, like it's just keep going. He keeps getting bigger and bigger. Just it astounds me. Like, what is your working experience with him? And and working? Uh, Hell, we were roommates for God's sake. I mean, I, <laughs> I've, I, he's it's long overdue. I mean, I I met him in 2010, and he was firing off some of those catchphrases that you hear today. You know, when when I started in 2010, he was in a tag team with Brian Cage, managed by the late great Percy Pringle. They were called Natural Selection. Mm-hmm. Imagine Cage and and I almost said Ricker, uh, Cage <sighs> and L.A. Knight as a tag team, managed by Paul Bear. Yeah, that was a thing yeah. that happened. You can go back and watch footage. They were amazing, wow. and just to see you know his growth over the years. And that's the thing with wrestling, with anything in entertainment, you never know what path you're going to take. You just got to make the most out of every single situation. And that's what he did. You know, he was amazing every single place that he went. And, um, you know, I I got to know him really well. Like I said, you know, me, him and Royce Isaacs, we were roommates for quite some time, um, you know, before I ended up moving to Florida. And then obviously, you know, both their careers have taken off uh, in great directions as well. So it's, it's amazing. Like he does everything right. I mean, he stays in impeccable condition. Age doesn't matter when you look like that. You know, like I know there's a lot there. The rumors on the Internet like, oh, they're worried about his age. The hell with age. If you are healthy and you perform to the top level, age means nothing. And he is defying all of the questions and all of the negativity that people may have wondered about him because the proof is in the pudding. And he's been proving it for years. 
And there's a reason why he stood toe to toe with the tribal chief because he's been ready and he earned it and he deserves to be there. And I'm so glad. And it, it makes me so happy to see him on this platform because if anyone has been earning it over the past 20 years, it's him. Such 100%. good pudding. The best pudding. Yeah. We love it. Gravy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Raw. We have Judgment Day getting their tag titles back from Jay and Cody after some funny business from Jimmy coming in and causing his brother Hal. Shenanigans. This shenanigans, Who would I'll believe tell you. it? In wrestling, in professional wrestling, one brother <laughs> turned against another. I, I, can't, I can't believe it. I can't you know, bear I, it. I love... Um, I've also said out here, Johnny, that I think that the that the uh, uh, bloodline story is the greatest story ever told in the history of professional wrestling that I've ever seen mm. in terms of how they've kept it going and all the twists and turns. And I keep seeing now, you know, J- Jimmy's marching orders were to mess with Cody, but really what he's doing is messing with Jay because he can't let that go. So there's this fold, like you start to see these folds sort of happening as it all morphs, like it's never been... 100% predictable, yeah. but uh, I love, I just love where that's going and that it sort of touches everything. Like, you can never not think about them, even when Roman's taking time off, that they're always sort of lurking there, and the Judgment Day is sort of trying to fill the void. Um, but I just, I, I love the work that all of them are doing. The Judgment Day is spectacular. I mean, when you put people are at the who are at the top of their game together great things are going to happen. I mean, I remember when I was there, you know, Rhea Ripley was on her ascension and there was that massive moment when she took the NXT Women's Championship from Shayna Baszler. And, oh my God, being there for that television episode, the the entire Full Sail University, just the roof could have came off because Shayna was such a great champion and they were so excited to see Rhea take it. And now you could argue she's the best thing going in women's wrestling. I mean, she is she's the leader of the damn group she's mm-hmm. she's got more confidence than anyone and she should and i love the fact that she's becoming the boss you know she's becoming the uh the leader you know and it's just, it's just so cool to see um people progress like that and and get to the level that uh, that they've been working towards you know so yeah i'm with you man 100 percent. everything they're doing there's so many different levels and peaks and valleys of this whole story. Like that's a very fair argument that it's the greatest long-term storytelling ever. It's pretty incredible. I also love uh, as far as judgment day goes, and it, it's extending over. I re Ripley also is maybe one of the best Twitter followers at like Twitter, Twitter followers. <laughs> she's very funny. Twitter follows. Very funny. She's so, yeah. yeah so she good. So good she knows through. exactly what she's doing. And I love that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rhea Ripley is for the girls, the gays and the they's. And we know exactly what she's doing. <laughs> um, the, the, Dominic Mysterio, his growth, I mean, I think when he came in, it's it's got to be incredibly difficult to to have Rey Mysterio Jr. as your father, to come from a wrestling lineage and then and then try to come in with your father and yeah. not be accepted by the by the crowd, really. And, and probably then, even harder if Eddie Guerrero is your father. Yeah, his real dad also gone growing up without his real dad, Eddie Guerrero was tough. But his growth to from where he started, even as an in-ring performer, to to uh, his match with Ilya Dragunov on NXT, which was spectacular. Like he's so he's gotten so much better. Uh, 
I'm just, I'm just stunned by his growth. I don't even know. I I'm not, it's not there's not even a question in there. There's I no just point. Love. It's the same. It I every yeah. every other day. I feel like every couple of days I have to pull up the photo I took uh, at the WrestleMania kickoff event at SoFi of Aww. Danielle and Dominic stood together when quite frankly we were a little bit rude and we were they were like do you want to talk to dominic and we were like fine I we mean, were trying to we were trying to look we sure. were in kayfabe we were trying to respect kayfabe and were we or were was, we asking people he, what their favorite sandwich was that was mostly what well, we, were we doing. Were, but yes because it's funny and then <laughs> it we did asked get some him, great answers and then, it did get some great answers and then we asked him about his childhood handheld device and we did yeah. But I mean, WWE slash tights and fights combined canon aside, I cannot, every single week, I can't get over how far he's come. I just can't get over it. Um, what you guys are saying is absolutely true. And also, it's like any profession. If you're around veterans who are great at what they do all the time, you have no choice but to get better. And eventually that light switch goes off. And that's exactly what happened. The light switch went off to where now it's like, you know, he's what no one ever expected. And that's just another element of, of how much greatness is actually happening right now. And it's it's definitely really fun to see. So um, I'll leave you guys with that because I have some family business to attend to. But this has been an honor to jump on board with you guys. Thank you for joining us, Johnny. Thank we will, you we, so we will much. have you back again. Saudi stepdad. That's right. YouTube. YouTube, Jay Quasto on the socials. Watch the special. It's free and it's funny. And go Phillies, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See you, buddy. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you. much. If you have anything more to say about the new seasons of WWE, seasons of WWE, visit us on our social media channels via 5, links in our show notes. 500, 600 Vinces. <laughs> when we come back, we've got some things from wrestling we want to share with you. That's up next on Tights and Fights. How many Vinces to measure a mark? Talk about with mustache. And quarters <laughs> and do rags and kissing asses. With Hanging <laughs> up and catering if you're still next to you. All right, class. Tomorrow's exam will cover the science of cosmic rays, the morals of art forgery, and whether or not fish can drown. Any questions? Yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything. Where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland. I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Lindsay Kelk. And it's time once again to share the joy of wrestling with you. This is the three count. Watch my three count. Danielle, go ahead. What you got? So it is spooky season. And so um, Scarlett and Shotzi have been doing this like YouTube series about 
them like going into haunted houses doing like some ghost huntery thing drew mcintyre is in a bunch of them which is like i think they just like freaking him out but they did a really funny one where i mean i don't know i love spooky stuff but so they did one where they brought dom and Rhea into a haunted jail because obviously you know dom is some time a, a felon menace who knows yeah. how the streets work it's available on youtube it's free i watched it it's like it's a fun good time y'all and i really enjoy when um the gals find ways to to do things that are like very in line with what they do that are they are still able to get in like that you know that's how up 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 down started who knows what this will become this was actually really fun and I really enjoyed watching all of it. So here is a clip of the trailer. Hi, I'm Scarlett. And I'm Shotzi. And, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our Chamber of Horrors. <laughs> Find my body. Oh, Why do you choose to stay here? Oh, that's good. Lucifer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not welcome here. So are you okay? Wait, wait, are you okay? <laughs> I wrestle and win championships. I don't hunt ghosts. Lindsay? I am going to put over SmackDown's new general manager, Nick Aldis. I am so happy. I was so happy when he came out. Uh, he is a journeyman. He's been around forever. Love that guy. Uh, I know he's been working at WWE for a while behind the scenes for a few months. Um, I didn't know this was going to happen because I don't read the dirt sheets anymore. Uh, if people oh, did know, good for them. But I will tell you, it was an absolute delight to be surprised by it. Uh, he slipped straight into those shoes. He was off to the races from the beginning. And if anyone's in any doubt as to why this man is fantastic, he is uh, Mr. Mickey James. That's how cool this man is. It's mm -hmm. Mr. Mickey James. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't mess with Nick because Nikki will come for you. Get She's country. Into it. Yeah. Hell yeah. So I was thrilled to see him. And that tiny little sad part of me was like, does this mean Nikki might come? Mickey might come back at some point? Uh, Baby, which I don't need. no, 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 no. I don't. I, need. I'm also. Look, but I don't love. need it, but I want it. Look, I'm right there with you. Baby, look, you, Pinky Swear, me and you. You know what we need. You never know. I need you never know. Well. But I'm putting Nick over at this point, and I was really happy. I think he's going to be really good in the job. Pumped to see him on TV. Nope. Yeah. Love it. I don't know what that noise was. We're just going to go with it. Roman Reigns is back, and that means he's back on TikTok as well. Somebody said they missed it him in a comment, and he made this video. Here's a clip. I didn't miss any of you, but I know you missed me. There you go. That does it for this episode of Tights and Fights. This week, your hosts were Lindsay Kelk and Danielle Radford, along with me, Hal Lublin. Thank you once again to our special guest this week. It was Johnny Laquasto. The special, one more time, is Saudi Stepdad. You can check it out on YouTube. Uh, he's a good dude and deserves, deserves your attention. Attention must be paid. Uh, don't forget to support the strike, all the striking laborers around the mm. country, including SAG-AFTRA. It is not over yet. And nope. uh, if you want your television back, if you want your television back, the best way to do that is for the strike to end. And that is to support the striking workers because only one side is on the right side of history. And you guess which one it is. 
Danielle? Uh, hardcore agree with the strike stuff. Um, and also just uh, in general, my heart is just, uh, 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 I am trying to refill my heart with so much love. I love everyone. This is a real love mood. Wonderful. Danielle putting over love. Putting over no, love. No, that's my way of saying that my fucking Adderall has been out of stock for months. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I just well, love you. We're not that over. I'm not trying so to stop drugs. Dude, um, I had to yell at a psychiatrist. It's fine. I know. Not yell. Not yell. Be politely. Be like, hey, please don't put my medication in a state I don't live in. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> How will tell you after this? I <laughs> am putting over, yes, the strike, obviously, absolutely. Just because the WGA strike is over, don't let anyone yep. fool you into thinking what is still happening with SAG isn't abhorrent because it is and it's still keeping people out of work and all of the IRC people affected and all of the teams affected and all the other people who are losing their jobs losing their homes losing their healthcare it is bigger than you realize just because one thing got resolved it is still huge uh, so obviously that uh, also putting over love I understand I feel like I'm playing the, the game now where I have to remember what everyone said uh, <laughs> it's like I'd like to put over Saudi stepdad I'd like to put over love I'd like to put over the strikes um and i would like to put over actually just taking five minutes for yourself and filling that five minutes with joy and you've already done a little bit of that in theory by listening to this podcast if that's what floats your boat uh you know what else you could do hal danielle huh? you could read a book huh? you know who's got books <gasps> this gal books. this gal <gasps> has books uh, so you could read those, get them from your library, read them on your ebook, listen to them on audio. They're all available in any way, shape, or form you choose to acquire them legally. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Our producer is the moment in the pun, Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Like our theme music? Thank Mike Eagle for that. Put him over forever. I know I'm doing it. Thank you to all the Max Fun members that keep this show going. And keep up with us all week long on all of our social media channels. You'll find those in the show notes. Find our Tights and Fights WrestleMania shirt at maxfunstore.com. And it'll allow you to do what you've always wanted to do, which is celebrate ice cream Christmas all year long in the most comfortable t-shirt ever devised. We'll be back next week for more, you guessed it, wrestling. Here comes the pain, bow to the masters, this is a podcast, they are podcasters. Max Fun's the network, Dyson Bites is the name. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.